The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Yes, we're talking to you after a week where essentially nothing happened uh, except rumour and wild speculation. So to join in with that, we've got Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. I think, you, you know, we have to bear in mind at the time of recording, Stoney, with your intro because uh, who knows? There might have been all sorts of stuff between us recording this very show and it appearing on people's feeds. Yes, that he is, is true. Hoping. If our forward line is Jesus, Rafinha and Martinelli or Saka or whoever, by the time you listen to this, bear in mind that we don't have the magic power of time travel. But, you know, we'll do what we can in the time that we've got. Um, the only thing that did happen this week, by the way, was that Eddie Nketiah signed a new contract and was given the number 14 shirt. And we did talk last week about one of the past owners of that shirt. Some fans have said... That he effectively hasn't done enough to deserve it. And Ian Wright, bless him, who has always been a big supporter of Eddie, uh, had a go back on social media saying, what's the number? Why don't you say nothing if you have nothing positive to say about our players? You can never call yourself an Arsenal fan with negativity of this nature. Would you say this to Eddie's face? If not, shut the... Well, you get the general. <laughs> go on, Wrighty. Right? Love you it. Get... On, yeah, I know. We all love him for that. <laughs> um, do you think Adrian's shirt number should be retired, by the way? Just briefly. No chance. No. absolutely uh, The opposite. Um, I just think it's great for the next generation and the generation after that to aspire to certain shirt numbers that, of their heroes and to try and yeah try and try and emulate it. It's, it's it's like a goal now, isn't it? It never used to be a thing. Although that said, when I was growing up, it was pre-squad numbers. I I dreamt of being asked was number eleven. You know, it was just the way. I could have been seven. Could have been eleven. It's just, it's just the way it goes. Sometimes I was ten, but. Why not? If you've got a favourite player and, and you, can, you can aim to do it. What I love actually about this, even though I, I get why some people will say, oh, he's, you know, 14's a special shirt and has he done enough yet? What I love is that the kids through the academy are being given these sort of premier numbers, aren't they? Saka 7, Smith Rowe 10, Martinelli 11, and Ketia 14. And I just think it's a, it's a statement really to say to these kids, it's a deliberate show a confidence just to, yes. just to tell them we rate you you belong here and, and we're going to show you that by giving you this sort of premier shirt number i like it i think it's a really smart move yeah i'm in total agreement there uh, adrian uh, what we thought we'd do um we'll have a game of number association basically i say a number and you say the first player that comes to mind uh, amy number seven what are you having who are you having for number seven there has to be a little string here, I'm afraid. So, Geordie Armstrong, Liam Brady, Dave Rowcastle, Robert Perez, Bukayo Saka. It's like a baton through the it's... best of history. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good string, I have to say. It's, Liam it's Brady. Rocky. It's pre-squad pre numbers, really, isn't it? But the seven for me is Rocky. Right. Well, it, this is an age thing because I think whoever chooses a seven for me is definitely Liam Brady. Yeah, of course yeah. it is, but it's who you grow up with. Uh, Adrian, number 10 for you. What are you having? Who are you oh, having for number Dennis. 10? Yeah, yeah it, definitely Dennis Berg. It is yeah. Dennis, isn't it? I mean, is there anyone else, Amy, besides Dennis for number 10? I mean, I mean William Gallas? No, sorry, <laughs> that was it. 
<laughs> very pathetic attempt at a really Merce bad work, which Merce it was wore it a bad well, joke back in the day. Merce well, it was not. Well. A he was bad eleven joke. a lot of the time too. Merce. This is the thing when you see when you see transfer marked the uh, German. I'm told website has come up with all the numbers. Uh, one more for you, Amy. Number three. Who are you having for number three? Nigel Winterburn. Yes. Yeah. Although shout out to Kenny Sansom, who was probably my first, you know, number three that in the time when I was going a lot. Yeah, yeah, like those. Uh, Adrian, number eight. Number eight, Ian Wright. (laughs) It is right, 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 isn't it? I mean, the number eight shirt has been taken by a lot of people, including Raphael Mead, Trevor Ross, who I actually played a game with once, Paul Paul Vasson for one season. Uh, God rest his soul. Um, But yes, that's a good call. And we'll have both of you can have the number nine. Uh, So, Amy, who are you having for number nine? Well, oddly, Supermac just came straight into my Because he so wanted it, didn't he? He was so desperate to have it, wasn't he? He was like, I can't but, play without the number nine shirt. But yeah, it's but a good I'd call. Have to, I'd, have to, uh, I'd have to go for Smudger Smith. What about yeah, you, Adrian? Same here. Yeah, it's, it's Alan Smith for me. He's the, most, he's the most Arsenal number nine that I can remember. But it's become a cursed shirt, let's be honest. Yeah. Cursed? It's very odd. Yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah. I'm looking down I mean, the list right, here. I mean, there's yeah. a Anelka was probably the last who wore it well, maybe with that. Uh, yeah, from that group because after that it's Devil Shukair, Francis Reyes Jeffers, it, Jose yeah. Antonio Reyes, Judo Baptista, Eduardo, Park Chu Young, Lucas Podolski, and Lucas Perez and Alexandra Lacazette. So yes. Uh, I, I know what you mean. I would have Super Mac as well, though, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, 29's the shirt they all want these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what number was your shirt, Adrian? Okay. <laughs> Look, we've said not much has happened transfer-wise, at, obviously, at time of recording. Uh, apparently, Fabio Vieira will be announced at some time pretty soon. Um, the, the speculation this week, there was the Ajax defender Lissandro Martinez. Uh, the Athletic reported that a bit of €30 million Euros has already been rejected. Amy, he's a left-sided centre-back, back up for Gabriel. Uh, he's also provides cover for Tierney. I suppose my question is in two parts. Is Mikel Arteta looking for versatility? And if he is, um, why isn't Ainsley Maitland-Niles getting a bit more of a look in? I think question two is probably easier to answer than question one. Yeah. I think it seems fairly apparent that uh, Mikel Arteta has sort of run out of um, interest, maybe, yes. in in Ainsley's potential. And he's shown, as you, as Adrian just spectacularly, you know, identified, if you come from Hale End and you do the biz, you get prestige, you get rewarded. But for whatever reasons, it's just not been quite the right fit of... Ainsley's particular characteristics under Mikel Arteta at this specific moment in time. He's still uh, our player, though, isn't he? He is still our player, and he's yes. in in with that uh, small group of players at the moment, which includes sort of Lucas Torreira. And you think, wow, he's coming back. Hector, he's coming back. You know, yeah. but but these are a lot of guys who, let's be honest, are probably unlikely to figure that highly in the manager's plans, and for that reason quite you know probably the best thing for all concerned would be a a move and and all of them are are people who still have some value in the transfer market and it's a question of maximizing that value uh it's a shame because i think everybody would have loved ainsley to remain part of that accelerated group from hairland but you know not everybody's career takes the same path and that's just sort of the way it's gone 
Your first question about versatility, I mean, it's it's plain that a lot of players that he's brought have that quality. Um, in fact, probably more do than don't. Yeah. How many players are, are really very obviously one position in the whole squad apart from the, the keepers? Centre-halves, possibly. But even well, then, even Ben, ben White, White can play full-back. Can play full-back. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and, and I'm, I think you could... You could put Gabriel up front if you really needed to, if we wanted target man stuff. But no, I mean, he could probably play defensive midfield if necessary. I mean, he's a he's a good footballer. But yes, I agree. He's probably one that's easily pigeonholed. But even if like Jack has no. played about about five positions. I mean, yes, but it's has. fluid, isn't it? The way that Arsenal play under Arteta is quite fluid anyway. Like the, he expects players to sort of take up slightly unorthodox positions, particularly the central midfielders, doesn't he? So... I think and you've got fullbacks that pop up in midfield a lot more than they used to. It's quite a normal thing now. I do think having a multifunctional player is is kind of essential, really. On Ainsley, very quickly, I just and there's no crime in this. There's no shame because I, I've been there. You know, he's had many, many more games than I did, but sometimes you just come up a little bit short. And I think, I think, I think that's where we're at with. With Ainsley, he's had a lot of opportunities. He's done well at times, not so well at other times. I just think, yeah, not quite done enough to stay. And, and I do like his, yeah. I do like his penalties though. I've got to be honest. Brilliant penalties. He's also he's <laughs> I, the calmest man in the world. <laughs> well, one one of these days in the future, there will be probably specialist penalty takers that you know are, are involved in squads. And if you've got five subs. Yeah. You know, there's a sort of logic. Um, but, well, you already uh, get that with goalies, don't you? Let's exactly. be fair. There's goalies who are bought on for penalty shootouts, although it, it has a, it doesn't always work. But um, sorry, Amy, you wanted to say something else there, or you were? Uh, no, I was just thinking no. about this uh, about Lissandra. I think it's it's particularly interesting. I mean, when you know we were talking before about squad numbers, when we were growing up, defenders were defenders, and you really didn't expect to see them popping up other than in emergencies elsewhere on the pitch. And I think it's a, a reflection of the evolution of particularly fullbacks. But, uh, you know, the idea that someone would be a centre-half or a fullback just didn't make any sense in the 80s or 90s. You know, Different were physiques, weren't they? Different so. physical attributes. Yeah, and, and yet it's interesting that it's become a much more uh, prevalent thing. I mean, the only thing that does kind of slightly concern me sometimes is that is on height. And that's where... Um, Tomiyasu was such a, a mega bonus because he has that versatility. He's a brilliant defender. He can play across, but he is a big guy as well. And I think uh, Lisandro Martinez is not quite so tall. So that would give me some uh, room for thought, let's just say, if he was playing centre-half. Um, but to have someone who can cover both those positions with better quality individually than probably if you put with the greatest respect Pablo Mari and I don't know whoever <laughs> together would be a, a great bonus but he's in demand and I think we have to be very very cautious here and this is you know in this market most of the players that Arsenal are interested in it's not a clear run no. and I no. think there's a bunch of Premier League clubs that are interested in most of the players that Arsenal are interested in at the moment so for all the kind of Twitter mayhem and excitement and everyone gets carried away as soon as there's a, a supposed sort of updates and links and things. These 
these transfers are tricky beasts to tame. It's annoying, isn't it? Like almost every player that we link with, Spurs want or Man United want. It's like, what? Leave it alone. Leave it. But I have to say, sorry, Adrian, I have yeah. to say that Amy's voice talking about transfers calms me. I, does, I really, yeah. I, it, it's really lovely. I might get a tape of it and just, it just to send me off late at night. It's really, I don't mean that you're dull or anything like that. I, just, I don't. I'm just saying, I like that you, the measured why I think this should be played out on Twitter every time there's another rumour. You wanted to say I'm, something, I'm, Adrian? I'm with you, yeah. On, on the evolution <laughs> of the centre-back, you know what it is, don't you? It's, it's, um, it's, it's full-backs pushing on into the opposition half. Means and they have to cover, that, yeah. That, yeah you, your, your left or right side centre-back has to spend a lot of their time covering in the wide areas. So you've got to be a half full-back if you're a centre-back these days. And the high issue I've seen... Um, it hasn't held Fabio him back until Fabio Cannavaro. Can I just say, Fabio Cannavaro. Yeah, exactly. That's a brilliant centre-half. If, he, if he's as good as him, I will take yeah. it all <laughs> he player, back. He was player of the year at Ajax. So, you know, that it didn't affect him there. I think he's won two titles with them. I think he was part of the squad that won Copper America as well. He's he's won stuff, which is good. Yes. And and he, he's got a very good left foot. I, I do like the, the long-range passing that he's got. So, and he's a... He's a Call me old-fashioned, but I like my defenders to relish defending and actually really enjoy it. And Like a tackle, yeah. Yeah, and when I see this guy, he's got that tenacity. It looks like he's, yeah, he feeds off um, stopping people and that's, that's what I want to see from a defender. I wonder if there's a slight knock-on effect if he does come in terms of Kieran Tierney longer term. <sighs> That's 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 a question, really, isn't it? Uh, and we don't know. He only played fifty six percent of the um, the Premier League matches uh, since he's joined Arsenal. So there have been a few injury concerns, but you know there have been times when he's playing well when people are talking about him as future Arsenal captain. I, I think the point is that we saw the problems we had with the lack of depth last season, and we seem to be moving to address them. And I think that that really. That's that sensible management. That's what we'd hope from the management team. They look at the squad and go, it's a bit thin here, here, here and here. Well, this is who we need. Um, and I guess we'll talk more about that um, as it goes on in the next few, week, as we, uh, next few weeks. As we've said, no announcement yet on Fabio Vieira at the time of recording, but um, hopefully uh, soon. Uh, nor on Gabriel Jesus either. There was a tweet I saw, AFC Axeman, on Twitter, got a picture of Rafinha, uh, Jesus and Martinelli all in one picture playing for Brazil and dreaming of that being our, one of the front threes that we could put out. Um, Amy, do you, do you get excited by stuff like that or do you just think, oh, stop it, really calm down? Or is there a bit of a mixture of both? I'd say probably it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, yeah. I think it's nice to look at those things and uh, have a flight of fancy but I do remain rooted in the kind of dreary, disappointing uh, <laughs> half world of transfers, which means that, you know, Not easy, the, amount of, the amount of targets that are genuine targets that are are chased and are, are people that Arsenal want to bring in versus the amount that actually happens. You know, it's clearly not the same number. I like so the ambition, I think though, it, don't I think you, it's, this season? Absolutely. I mean... But I think some, what's also happening in certain regards is that all the targets are being put out there with a view to, you know, Arsenal probably realistic enough to know that they're not all going to happen. And even in terms of positions. 
So, for example, you know, been, there was a lot of expectation around Tielemans. And I think that slipped quite a lot down the packing order. I mean, quite apart from the fact that I think the lists are very changeable. You kind of imagine them sitting in Mikel Arteta's office with a whiteboard and uh, magic markers and, and uh, you know, what a... Uh, wiping out one name and writing another and putting arrows this one's going up the list and down the list and what have you I'm sure it's a bit more sophisticated than that but as as a as a kind of principle I don't think it's as straightforward as saying you know here's our concrete list like let's get it all done because it, it even during the window it will fluctuate and change um according to who's out the door how much money gets generated how much value, you know, how, what you need for each particular transfer. I remember speaking to um, somebody who used to be uh, very involved in high-level transfer negotiations before, and, you know, they, they would a, a, arrange with the manager a kind of final price. It's like, before you go in to approach the club or approach the player or approach anyone, what's he worth? This. What will we pay? No more than that. Yeah. And most of the time, you have to stay around about those boundaries. But they would always be that thing where they'd be like, don't miss out on a player for a little bit more. Now, <laughs> and that's where it's a bit like doing up a house or something like that. You know, you end up, oh, well, we're doing this. We may as well paint the bathroom while we're at it. Or we may as well get that, you know, that slightly nicer cupboard while we're doing it because we're only going to do it once every 20 well, years or whatever. It's the best way around this, though, is, is to demand a little bit more of the ones we sell. Because well, there's going to be a few of those out as well. Yeah, but that's, that, been, that's, that's, that's been very, very... It's not a, not a seller's market, is it? It's a buyer's market. It's not, but, but, but you do see you do look at some other transfers. I mean, the the one that Southampton made um, last week or the week before, Gavin Bazunu, goalkeeper from Manchester City. Nowhere near the first choice goalkeeper at City, but has had a couple of good loans. Um, Portsmouth is basically as high as he's been loaned, loaned out to, £12 million. Yeah, that's that's a good fee. I, that's the sort of that's the sort of fee where you think, oh, they've got more than I expected there. And I, I, yeah. I, I think it's been quite a while since Arsenal got more than I expected for a player. Be really interested to see what they get for Burnt Leno, but in comparison, mm-hmm. um, obviously vastly superior in terms of experience and and stock, um, and he's not old. You know, on on the Bazunu sort of scale, Leno's got to be thirty million. But will we get thirty million? Very doubtful. No, I mean, I do hope. I do hope to, to go to go back to the doing up the house analogy that we, <laughs> you know, we build a uh, a conservatory, a roof terrace, and uh, and, a, and a really really nice all marble kitchen. Um, but anyway, I guess, uh, again, I mean, because as you said in your piece, Amy, you wrote a piece about signing Vieira doesn't necessarily mean Arsenal will stop chasing other targets or that Vieira's arrival replaces others in their sights. Um, you said, ideally, the plan is to recruit all the players we're looking for, Rafinha, Gabriel Jesus, Lisandro Martinez, maybe one or two others. Um, in the end... We need squad depth, don't we? We really missed out on that last year. No, but the point is, it's not squad depth. You need quality. Quali- well, quite, quite. Okay, sorry, I'll take that there back. Are you need quality. To feel that it's about the quality of player that has to yeah. come in. And that's where I think Arsenal are aiming to only recruit people who they see having, a, you know, being upgrades somewhere along the line, certainly in terms of squad depth. 
on but by the way, just me. just quickly, so sorry, Adrian, but um, just on that piece, just uh, to to uh, very much share the credit around because it was very much a team effort. But David Ornstein and um, James McNicholas and Adam Crafton were all uh, a big part of that. Um, this kind of team athletic throwing all their bits of info together, and uh, yeah, so they're the ones that know much more than me. Well, okay. I'm yes. Sure. Well, thanks to them. Uh, I want to um, ask Amy about Tiedemans. Do you think that that we have called our interest, or is it that Tiedemans is, is having second thoughts? Is there someone else in for him? I mean, I've got Leicester supporting friends, and they're saying, "Oh, we're here," and he wants to sign. He'll sign another year extension. Um, He's got yeah. one year left, doesn't he, Tiedemans? I think the the, the the vibes that uh, we got from Tiedemann's point of view is that he's very happy at Leicester and not agitating to move um, and is really happy to have another year there, see out his contract, have a good World Cup and see what his options are on a free, on a Bosman in a year's time, which is from his point of view, completely understandable. I think had Arsenal been in the Champions League, he might've felt slightly differently. And I'm, Always one that tries to underestimate the impact of Champions League on whether or not you get players in. But I think it can have an impact. And for someone like him, I think it was quite close to happening or being, you know, generally agreed with all the interested parties when Arsenal were looking like being in the Champions League. And then there was this sort of pause, let's say, while everyone took in the different circumstances. And I think both sides possibly have cooled a little bit so Tielemans is less fussed about coming than had Arsenal been in the Champions League and Arsenal are less fussed about getting him in because I think other targets are uh, in other positions are really kind of catching the eye yeah so I, th- I, I definitely think that that I hesitate to say it feels like an afterthought but I think when the when the most of the business that they that they're more desperate for i.e striker and uh, other forward positions get sorted then they'll turn their attention and see what they're left with yeah and it might be something that's a, that's addressed a bit later in the window or it might be that arsenal look at someone else who isn't him but has a similar profile and maybe is a i don't know but i am intrigued because i think fundamentally the idea of going into this season ahead with the same midfield as last year <sighs> bothers me a little bit yeah mm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it needs a refresh. I, I do. Um, well, Granite Xhaka is the other big question, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. one of the things in that piece, I mean, as you said, Granite Xhaka remains an enigmatic presence. Uh, mm-hmm. But if there was a deal to be done for him, it would open the door wider for Tielemans. It um, would. And, and do you know what? Uh, and, and I like Xhaka. He's got, I've got on record of saying that many times. Obviously, we know about his faults and his flaws. Then I don't think they're going to change. He remains a good player. Um, remains probably our second best midfielder after Thomas Partey. But sometimes a good player has to go or a senior player has to go in order to sort of pave the way for something fresh. And, for and the evolution think, of the team, right? Yeah, and I, I and mean, I, Raheem I, I, Sterling possibly will leave Man City. Yeah, you know. exactly. I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if, if you know, providing Xhaka was, was happy enough to move on, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be devastated if we were to sell him to then refresh it with one or two younger players coming through. I think, yeah, it, that's the possibility, but it does sound like that might be something that happens later in the window. 
It would be perfect, wouldn't it, if Granit Xhaka moved on to a club and he came to us playing for them and then got sent off in a sort of, you know, nice sort of vibe. <laughs> oh, thank you, Granit. Oh, yes, we remember now. Um, anyway, um, we'll see what happens. Um, one of Arsenal's key midfielders this season has been Martin Erdegaard. Um Amy, uh, you went to Norway a few months back uh, to find out more, and we'll have a little chat about that next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. This is Handbrake Off. I'm Ian Stone with Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Um, Amy, uh, back in April, you published a piece all about your uh, your journey to Norway uh, to have a little find out, really, about Martin Erdegaard, where he came from, where he grew up. Light sprinkles of April snow are falling on the patch of artificial grass, overlooked by statues of Nordic animals on the surrounding rocks and grassy mounds in the hills above Dramen. If you didn't know, you'd wonder what on earth a perfect pitch was doing here on the highest edge of a town, a quiet neighbourhood, with not much around, except stylishly painted clapboard houses dotted along the winding road and a small school. This is Martin Erdegaard's place. He grew up here attended that school and spent virtually all his spare time on this piece of ground with a football at his feet. When he was little, it was just sort of a patch of, of uh, rough ground. And I think that uh, Martin's dad, together with a bunch of the other local parents, they all chipped in for it to be uh, given an astroturf and made into a little, uh, little proper centre. And he spent a ton of his time on this little pitch. And his dad used to um, give him, he used to make sure that he, he trained him himself, but he also taught him how to train by himself, which was interesting. So he taught Martin how to practice really, really well, yeah. whether he was with other coaches who might not be as good or with uh, other kids or by himself or wherever he was, it was about top level technical practice. Shades and of Dennis Bergkamp. I don't want to put too much yeah, pressure on the kid, well, but you know. Yep, Dennis and his wall, that was that he did yes. entirely by himself. But yes. um anyway, he uh he his dad had a, a string of clothes shops in Stromsgutset. And uh you know <laughs> I love the way you said that. It's just oh, like, <laughs> sorry to any I was transported to really Norway sorry. there. It was really lovely. <laughs> Um, I had a really nice day at the club, actually. It's a great little club. I highly recommend anyone uh, visiting the outskirts of Oslo to go and drop in and, and see them. Um, but, yeah, so, so when, when his dad, because obviously a lot of the, uh, in those days, a lot, a lot of the players were part-time in, in countries like Norway. That's changed a lot over the years. So he would drop young Martin down at the club in the morning before he went off to, uh, to work in the shop. And Martin, little blonde with the white blonde hair, little tiny skinny thing, used to have a football and a packed lunch and just wait around until people came along that he could play with and play football all day. And then his dad would come pick him up at the end. 
but he was he had this meteoric rise and he was playing with people way above his age group from very very young they called it martin mania when he got to the point of being in and around the first team at the age of sort of 14 yeah um and uh uh Stein flo who's the brother of Torre andre flo from the famous flo family footballers is heavily involved at the Strums, good set and uh was a teammate of Martin's dad's. And he said when he signed him, they went to the club to sign a professional deal. And he was, prior to that, as a rule in Norway, where you're not allowed to play adult football any more than something like three times a year. Three games a season. Yeah, that was it, uh, until you're 14 or 15 or whatever it was. So finally he was allowed to play more. So they went and signed this contract. And and Jostein said... He was just like looking at the contract, like obsessed with one clause. And, you know, you think it might be about money or it might be about, and it was just about how, how often he was allowed to train and that he was allowed to train whenever he wanted. Like, like as many times, there was no restrictions anymore in, in adult football. And he was so pleased. And then and when signed. they'd done all the, yeah, done all the stuff, he, started training. he was, on the, he was in, in the squad to play the first team game the following day. And uh, all the lights were off. It was dark. You know, they were going to, you know, last one out, lock up type of thing. And Jostein uh, heard music coming from the gym two floors up. Went upstairs. There's no lights on. It's like dead quiet. And there was Martin with his phone listening to some music training. The day yeah. he signed on his own. Yeah. And he had a game yeah. the next day. And that's what he is. And he's a... He's, he's extremely dedicated and serious about being the best that he can be. Now, anyone who's watched him, and I think they're under no illusions in Norway as well, they're so proud of him and they, they love him, but they know he's still got more to give. And I think he will do whatever he can to get that in his game. Well, we definitely hope so. Adrian, when you get young players turn up, particularly from overseas, which I'm sure happened when you were there, um, I mean... It, I mean, is it, it? It's got to be incredibly difficult going into a, a dressing room of 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 you know hard bitten professionals. You're a young kid from overseas. Um, he seems to have the character to to impress people, even as a young kid. I mean, he was playing with people three, four years older than him. Yeah, if you're good enough to do that, you've been through that experience where you are a child and you're running rings around the men gives you a lot of confidence doesn't it and and yeah I think wherever he, he took the plunge by going to Real Madrid very early but, yeah that's but not what, an easy place to no, uh, to grow up in is no, it and, be fair. and in Amy's excellent piece it, it sort of there was a sort of admittance that that was probably the wrong move ultimately but he, he gained experiences at various clubs on loan and he is where he is now and I think Arsenal are benefiting from his sort of journey so far, I was really interested to read about how driven he was. All that stuff that Amy was just discussing there—that bodes very well, doesn't it? And that—that's why Mikel Arteta loves him so much. That's why he's being sort of uh, in the mix for for captaincy. Because if you've got someone that's as driven as that and has always wants to push themselves and get better and better and better, it's like what what better role model could you have within the group? So yeah, big big fan of him. He's, he's come on. I think since he signed for us permanently, he's really improved as well. And if he can sort of carry on improving, then we've we've got a real, real we've player on our hands. Yeah, I really like him. Adrian, um, with your sort of tactical head on, how do you see Odegaard and Vieira, assuming that that gets announced shortly, fitting together? Or is it more of an either or? It probably will be an e- either or at the start. 
Yeah, I would say so. But we did see Mikel Arteta try in certain easier looking games with a more adventurous midfield configuration, didn't we? With basically just Thomas Partey and two attacking midfielders. It had mixed results, I've got to say. When we lost the ball, it wasn't so good. But you, you, you could potentially see a Vieira and Erdegaard either side of Thomas Partey. That would be quite exciting. But but that might be something we see when we maybe chase in the game in the second half where you're looking for a goal, looking to score a goal. So, um, yeah, I don't think it matters. I think Vieira will get plenty enough game time in, in the interim. Erdegaard, one day might be a proper central midfielder, if you know what I mean, rather than an attacking midfielder. I can definitely see that happening. Perlo, Modric, the, that sort of thing. Yeah, I saw that he was c- kind of compared. I, I think there's a way to go b- before he does that. But oh, yeah. we saw him, was it against City? Away, playing in a deeper role when we were really short of players, kind of as part of a midfield too. And he didn't look right. I, I, but he wouldn't because it's not a position he's sort of accustomed to. So... Yeah, we might have to be patient with him in that regard. He's not going to instantly turn into Santi Cazorla playing at the base of the midfield, just knocking things around. He's not going to do that overnight. But over time, maybe. He needs to work on his right foot if he's going to do that as well, doesn't he, really, <laughs> to be fair. Um, but he does get the club, doesn't he, Amy? I mean, I mean, you. I know you didn't talk about this particularly, but I know that people around him were saying he needed to find a home. You know, he moved around alone quite a bit. He ended up at Sociedad when he was with Madrid, but it never felt like home. But now it seems like he's got a club and a, and, and a team. And, a, and you know, generally he feels like he can identify now as an Arsenal player. I think so. I think he's really got connected with the place, the people, the project. It's all got under his skin. And I think that in his body language, you can see the way that he... Uh, reacts to things going on around him. He's quite vocal. And this is new. You know, the people who knew him were like, oh, little Martin, you know, look <laughs> at him now, kind of telling people what to do. But he's he's grown in that regard a lot over the yes. over recent times and had a really instructive conversation with the Norway coach. And he was talking about, it was quite interesting how there was a lot of surprise when he was being made captain uh, initially of Norway. A lot of eyebrows were raised and people didn't think he was ready for it or they didn't think he was the type or they didn't think that he should have that on his shoulders when he needed to sort of sort his club career out first um but Stalas Solbakken was absolutely adamant that he had all the right credentials and qualities and says he's you know he doesn't talk much but when he when he does people listen people respect him and he made the comparison that what he has at club and country is quite similar in terms of a growing team with something to aim for, a young team with something to develop for. And he said, when he made him captain, I didn't do it with uh, this World Cup in mind. I did it with a, 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 you know, with my eyes on the Euros in two years' time. And, you know, he will grow with the team and they will grow with him. And that was what Norway were aiming for and he's aiming for and it's a slightly bigger picture a slightly broader brush and I think that he you know that fits with what he's experiencing at Arsenal as well yeah do you think he'll be the next club captain Adrian I think there's a chance yeah I do because Mikel Arteta's very big is he on connection with people with players and 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 I always get 
Whenever I speak to anyone at the club on the coaching side, it's always the same sort of message. Mikhail's always asking what are they like, what's the character like, are they humble, are they grounded? You know, do they want to work hard? Do they want to get better? And I think Erdegaard kind of ticks all of those boxes, you know, with a big fat yes. felt tip <laughs> pen, doesn't he? He is he is all of those things, and and if that's what Mikel Arteta wants, then you picking a captain that sort of embodies the type of personality he wants in the team makes sense. The The only thing is, there's a lot of competition for his place. And I'm not saying he's definitely in Arsenal's best 11 now, but but with Vieira around, with Smith-Rowe, an excellent player in his own right, Saka too, he has to maintain the form. There was a period where he was sort of on the bench, wasn't he, last season? Um, yeah. And he came yeah. through that. So, so yeah... That's no bad thing, but but I wouldn't say he's absolutely nailed on to start every game. He's got to maintain those standards. One other quick thing I, I read in the in the piece that one of the contacts you spoke to recommended him to Paul Davis. Is that right, Amy? Um, yeah, right. who who went over with uh, to, to with the Arsenal sort of veterans team to Arsenal Norway. I think I might have been on that trip. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, cause I went, it was quite. It was about I don't know how many years ago, at least ten, I'd say. How, how 60s, old? Sixties, wasn't it? Sixties. <laughs> but it was good. It was a brilliant trip. It was sort of a mixture of sort of Arsenal celebrity fans and former players. Um, Peter Marinello was there. What a character he is! He didn't play. He was just there as a cheerleader. What a character! But it, it, we had an unbelievable time. Tony Hadley came with us. <laughs> and um right <laughs> we're in we're in Oslo on a on a boozy night out I have to say and we end up in a karaoke bar and no one really knows Tony God, Hadley Tony. there no one's t- no one's no one's pe- paying any attention to him so it's like so what the lads did they obviously stuck gold on the old karaoke and then the guy on the mic was like right next up is uh, Tony Tony's going to sing uh, gold blah 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 and he's like hey. and then he bails it out <laughs> it was absolutely sensational of course it, it does all- it was oh, a wonderful brilliant. moment. Yeah. For for our younger listener, uh, Tony Hadley used to be the lead singer of a group called Spandau Ballet, who's hit gold, and it was a huge hit. You'd know it if you heard it. You would definitely right? know. And on that trip, uh, the, the other thing that I really remember was this bloke. I played the match, and this bloke made a real beeline for me with his son, and he came over. He said, "Ah, oh, it's lovely to meet you, Adrian." Blah blah blah. He said, um, "Meet my son, Adrian." <laughs> He was not really. Yeah, yeah. He named his he son said, after you. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I was. Yeah, I felt. I felt. Yeah, little, very touched. Little very strange, touched or uh, okay no. I was that. absolutely buzzing about it. He goes, "Look, you were my favourite player. I thought you were going to be the next big thing." So at the time, I just thought, <laughs> "No, I'm going to name my son Adrian." So there you go. Yeah, I was. I was chuffed a bit. Outstanding. What a trip! Um, it was a great trip, and there were lovely people over there. I've got to say. Yeah, it was um, brilliant. Good memories. Loved it. Yeah, Yeah, good memories. Never been before. Uh, It's a lot of fun. And if you want to get just a feel of what it was like for Martin uh, Erdogan growing up, uh, 40 minutes outside of Oslo, uh, Amy's piece is excellent. It really is, Amy. It's a lovely piece. 
And the, the readers, by the way, agree. S. Carter wrote a little song for you, Amy, which is We've Got Super Amy Lawrence. She knows exactly what we need. Here we are. Articles with tact. Can't match her writing craft. I mean, it needs to work on the, the rhyming of it. And then it, it says, Craft. No, craft. Craft. You're right. Adjourno for the Champions League. So uh, Amy is looking massively embarrassed. But I think it's great. It's lovely. They're writing songs for Amy. They're naming children for Amy. Adrian, this is how we Anything inspire. Anything for you, Stoney? Not at the moment. Hey. Not at the moment, uh, right now. But, but you know, there's still time. There's still time. There's still time. Uh, let's have, well, we just had a song, uh, but let's have a song. I've been getting uh, abuse on uh, Twitter for being so ridiculously positive. Uh, even though it's June and why can't I listen to Sunshining? I'm off to Glastonbury in a couple of hours. Well, uh, 24, actually. Why can't I be positive? Um, well, anyway, because you said everything's coming up roses and we didn't sign it anybody it doesn't matter i'm feeling like <laughs> things are going in the right direction I'm, I'm just i'm talking about the sense of it um and by the way my song this uh, this week is it really could happen by blue okay which is another i love i love the tune and uh, it really could happen i'm not saying it will but it really could uh amy what are you having well uh, we discussed this in the week, didn't we, Stoney? But um, yeah, I'm very jealous of you going to Glastonbury and you're going to go and see Wet Leg, which is my new favourite oh, yeah. band. <laughs> and I had a look at the album to see if anything was appropriate, and it isn't really. So, no. sorry, Wet Leg. Um, great I'm going to go for a for... band. Never heard of them, but it's a great name. Check, Check them, them out, out, Adrian, but not with the children. Um, <laughs> I am going to choose a cover because um, Clive Palmer of another very good Arsenal podcast tweeted uh, outcasts hey ya this morning mm, as a that. sort of means to like let's have a good song to get in the mood before spending all day looking at twitter for trans- transfer updates <laughs> and um it, uh, there's a cover by a band called the blanks which is just astonishing because it shows the universality of what great music can achieve because these two versions could not feel more different and yet they're both euphorically good. My baby don't mess around because she loves me so and this I know for sure. But does she really want to but can't stand to see me walk out the door? So the blanks. Hey, yeah. Like it. Okay, Adrian, what are you Sounds having? Sounds good. Well, I, mine's Martin Edegard inspired because if he's 14 and 15, playing for the first team. He's a prodigy, isn't he? So I'm going for the prodigy. Um, Everybody in the place. Let's go! Classic. Excellent song choices. Uh, A lot of fun, guys. Thanks to Adrian. Uh, Thanks to Amy. Thanks to Abby, our producer. And thanks to you, listener, for listening. Have a good week. We'll be back with more of this uh, next week. I'm Ian Stone. See you soon.